And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to a special edition of the No Dunks Podcast. I'm Lee Ellis. I'm joined by Tass Mellis and the man making the magic happen, JD. Today, we're going down under. That's right. To talk to NBL broadcaster and writer Liam Santamaria. Why? Because we want to find out just how good Lamella Ball might be in the NBA, and nobody is better qualified to tell us that than Liam. Liam spent last season watching and covering Lamello play for the Illawarra Hawks in Australia's National Basketball League, and he joins us on the show today. Liam, welcome to the No Dunks Podcast. Thanks, Lee. Good to be good to be with you guys, Tass. Uh... I tell you, I go, I go way back with you fellas, back to the uh, the TBJ days at the score, and uh, so great to be with you. Thanks, thanks a lot for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad uh, Lee had to be uh, the one to say Illawarra Hawks as well, because I had no <laughs> idea how to say that name, but now I'm good. Hey, hey Liam, I'm going to have to really enjoy this podcast because finally it's going to be two Australian guys outnumbering the North American guy. So, so we can make fun of, of Tass's accent as much as we like on this show, okay? I've got, okay. I've got like eight or nine years built up here. So uh, anything that Tass says that sounds funny, let him hear it about it, okay? Uh, you've, got some, you've got some pent-up frustration <laughs> yeah. you want to get out of there? <laughs> I'll help you with that. Uh, nice one. Okay, well, well, let's get into it because uh, it's obviously a big story uh, and there's a lot of hype around LaMelo Ball. So... You know, when did you first hear that he was coming to Australia uh, and what did you know about him? The first word I got, I mean, there was some sort of suggestion that he might. We've obviously got the Next Stars program uh, here in the NBL, which is kind of uh, pretty well known about uh, rec- you know, recruiting uh, young, talented prospects on their way to the NBA and trying to find a, a good way to make that happen. So there was, he, he um, was a, you know, pretty um, obvious target for that program. Um, so we discussed it a little bit over here on air about what that would like, whether we thought he would be a good fit. And then the first read I got that it was maybe a real deal was when the owner of the Illawarra Hawks slid into my DMs <laughs> and said, what's your read on LaMelo Ball? What do you think of him? Tell me. Um, so look, I gave him a you know a pretty honest appraisal of the, of the pros and the cons. I immediately knew what was going on, right? That that there was the potential that he might come to that team. And, um, you know, I told him the pros and cons of what he was like as a player and what he, what him coming to the Hawks would bring to that club and to the NBL. And then obviously left it to, to the club and the league to make that decision. And they dove in. So from there, it was obviously big news, massive profile of a kid and um, brought a lot of attention to our league. What were the pros and cons that you uh, sent back? <laughs> well, obviously, I kind of mapped out his skill set, right? So, I mean, you're not going to bring a kid like LaMelo Ball over to sit on the bench. So he's going to come out here and play a whole bunch of minutes. You're probably going to be have conversations that are going to involve a starting role and what's that going to mean for your team. So I mapped out that he's, you know, he's an elite playmaker, um, has incredible vision, but there's massive question marks over elements of his game, right? 
What's he going to be like as a defender? What's his shot selection going to be like at the pro level? Can he run a team? Is he serious about becoming a pro and becoming a great player? I mean, we've, we knew him as a, as a high schooler putting up 92 points and, <laughs> and cherry picking and from his reality TV show. But this is a legit league and this is one of our most historic clubs with a proud history. If you're going to be bringing him in, you need to know all the pros and the cons and they were the big question marks over him coming in. You know, it is a big uh, team, of course, in the NBL, but it's not Sydney and it's not Melbourne. You know, it's not Perth, which Perth is probably, you know, one of the, uh, the, the bigger teams as well. Historically, they're very, very successful. You know, once, once the sort of word got out that Lamelo might be coming, did these other teams think, well, hang on a minute, Illawarra is, you know, relatively speaking, not a big city compared to Sydney or Melbourne. He should be playing for the Kings or, or uh, Melbourne United or something like that. I mean, was there any sort of like race to try to get his signature? I think there was a bit of that feeling, Lee, from some of the fans, for sure, saying, well, why would we bring him over and waste him in a small market team? Um, I think more so from within those organisations, um, they're all kind of teams with big-time championship aspirations. So the idea of bringing in a teenager to run their team um, probably wasn't really necessarily on the radar of those types of teams, you know, like... Uh, Melbourne had Mello, uh, Mello Trimble, who you'd know from Maryland, ready to go at the point guard position. Sydney had Casper Ware, former Philadelphia 76ers guy. And the Wildcats, of course, Bryce Cotton and, and Damian Martin Lee, who you'd know well, six-time mm-hmm. defensive player of the year. So I think a lot of those teams were probably not really interested in having Lamelo come in. So a smaller market team like Illawarra sort of suited. What about, obviously, the big cloud that hangs over any of the ball boys is LeVar, you know, and LeVar doesn't want his, like you said earlier, that he doesn't want Lamella going out there sitting on the bench, you know, in a men's league just playing garbage time. This was about trying to get Lamello exposure and trying to get his profile up to the point where he is a high lottery draft pick in the NBA. What sort of influence and impact do you think LeVar had on the role that Lamelo was expected to play there uh, for the Hawks? Uh, not a heap, I would say, Lee. I mean, it came out pretty quickly uh, after it was um, locked in that he was going to come down that LeVar really wasn't going to be involved all that much. Um, the word was Jermaine Jackson, um, former NBA player, Lamelo's mentor who coached him at Spire, was going to be that guy. Um, and that really where actually the word came out from the beginning was that LeVar's not going to be here. He's not going to be here in any way, shape or form. Now, eventually he did come down for a little bit to shoot some of the show, but um, <laughs> it, the, the word came out pretty quick. Like actually, yes, there's an element of trying to get some exposure. People need to see him out on the floor, but in actual fact, it became clear he was coming down here to get better mm. predominantly. Um, and that they didn't really want the traveling roadshow of LeVar to come in and create headlines. They wanted a, a situation where he could focus, work on his game, um, not create waves within the team, and uh, you know, try to put his best foot forward. So he played with his brother, Leangelo, in Lithuania prior to coming to Australia. Do you think that helped both the Hawks make the decision and from LaMelo's perspective that he just kind of grew up having uh, a bit of an experience internationally before coming over? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, it, I think on the ground, once it got here, it certainly seemed like that had helped them. Um, one of the things, you know, sort of start to step onto what he was like on the floor. One of the yep. things that really stood out to me was his poise. Um, now he's obviously super confident. His confidence just oozes out of him, but his poise in a pro league against men, um, you know, guys much older, stronger than him was, was really obvious. And I think you'd have to say his experience over in Lithuania and part of it was probably learning some of what to do, but also some of what not to do uh, learning. And I think one of the things he probably learned from that experience was I need to assimilate myself into the group, into my team, right. get to know my coach, get to know my teammates. Um, and I think the fact that we speak English over here probably helped that a lot. And, um, and I think that helped him on the floor as well, because there were, an, he kind of became pretty friendly with a bunch of guys on that team and, um, you know, created a pretty good feeling within that group. You know, when Levar, uh, excuse me, when Lonzo made his uh, debut for the Lakers against the Clippers, Patrick Beverly made a note of like, I'm getting in this guy's face. I, I'm going to hit him. I'm going to whack him. And he did. He basically, as soon as Lonzo stepped on the, on the court, Patrick Beverly tried to send a message to him that he's playing with men. It's a men's league and there's no favors here. Was there an element of that with LaMelo when he started playing? Because it's, you know, it's obviously not the NBA, but he brings that hype and he brings that attention and he's a bit of a glamour boy as well. Like were some of the veterans in the NBL uh, trying to send a similar message to him? Yeah, we saw a little bit of that, Lee. Um, in fact, we saw some of it right off the bat. Uh, our preseason tournament here in the NBL is called the Blitz. That thing was held in Tasmania, uh, right at the bottom of the country last last year. And the his first game was against the Perth Wildcats, the two-time defending champs matchup with Damian Martin, a legend of our league, as I said, six-time defensive player of the year, um, a world-class defender. And it was a preseason game for Damian Martin. It was a big game for LaMelo because that place was swarming with uh, scouts um, and NBA scouts. A lot of had made their way over to watch LaMelo and also watch RJ Hampton. And he really stood up in that game. Damo got all up in him, tried to speed him up, tried to get physical with him. Um, and that was, that was the game that, I mean, he had 19, 13 and seven in, in an overtime win in that game. That was preseason, of course, but it showed that that wasn't actually, that approach wasn't necessarily going to work. He, um, he, he didn't buy in to any of the physicality. It didn't really speed him up um, and force him into, you know, a whole bunch of turnovers or, or anything like that. Um, and as a result, I think over the course of the season, we didn't see a lot of that with Lamella. We saw a bit of it with RJ Hampton, mm. who's obviously the other guy on the, on the board who was here with the breakers. Um, there was a, there was a game midway through the season against Melbourne, you know, uh, in Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix, where um, some guys got into him. Ben Madgen, a seasoned veteran here, got, got into RJ. He responded, went a little over the top and got ejected. And it was a bit of a window into the difference between the personality of those two guys. RJ was a little bit more like, I need to make a statement that you right. can't do that to me. Whereas the Mellow, it was more like water off a duck's back. He just ignored it and let his game do the talking. Liam, two questions for you. Lee mentioned you're, you should be making fun of my accent. My question is, do all Australians say the word debut? 
instead of debut. <laughs> Is that how it works? Is that what I said? No, no, no. That's what Lee said. Lee always says debut when he was talking about uh, talking about Lonzo Ball. Is it is it debut? I think Lee's got a little bit of a hybrid thing going on <laughs> a little bit these days. So some of those some of those names I think fall some of those words fall kind of halfway between what we'd say and what you've influenced him to say. Uh, so so you say we'd say debut. Oh, okay, okay, because oh. we've heard it forever. <laughs> Maybe I've just, uh, it's from the Richie Benno era, I'm, I'm just still, you know, he's on debut, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, you know, so you said you said there, Liam, you know, Lamello uh, let his game do the talking. So so tell us about his game. Tell us about what you saw up close. Uh, he played 12 games, I think, is that right, um, for the Hawks there? So not a huge sample size, but enough to sort of, gain some idea of, of what he what talents he has and what he can work on of course I mean all young guys coming into the league are, are never the finished product but what what did you like about his game what did you see about his game what's his strength you know what what's the sort of thing that um, people can expect that that uh, he will bring to the NBA certainly in his first uh, season or two his playmaking Lee is is his number one primary elite skill. I mean, his, his playmaking, his vision, his passing ability, those things are elite, not just for his age, but for anyone, period. Um, so that's, that's the thing that jumps off as soon as you watch him. And that's, that's the thing that NBA scouts have fallen in love with because there's, you know, there's shades of, you know, and obviously we, we throw these names out cautiously, but, the, you know, there's shades of Magic Johnson and Jason Kidd when you watch him in the, in the open floor because he has that kind of size at the point guard position. He has that kind of feel, vision, love setting up his teammates. And um, in, in the open floor, terrific at, at, at finding players getting to the rim. But then in the half court, can look over the defense, find guys, ro- guys rolling to the rim, can get into the lane and can twist and contort his body to finish, but also to, on kickouts, you know, to find guys at awkward angles. His, his vision is elite. Um, so that's the thing that, that people have fallen in love with. And we saw in a big way here, he averaged seven assists a game. Pretty impressive assist-to-turnover ratio here for, for a young kid handling the rock so much. Um, and then there's the question marks, though, of course, which are still big question marks. His, his shooting um, has shown the, you know, showed the ability to get hot, had some games where he hit four of six or you know, um, five of, of seven threes, but, but he had a lot of those games where he hit one of 11, um, and he, but he just kept firing away that, that confidence I spoke of. Shot 24% from three here, which Ooh. is, yeah, I mean, that's the expression we all, yeah. <laughs> that that gives you. So, I mean, that's a big, a big question. And then defensively, he improved, but um, that's still a, a massive weakness for him. I mean, when he came over here, it looked like, He'd never been taught how to play defense at all. Had no concept of, of um, how to, you know, the importance of, of doing the little things defensively, staying in front of your man, helping your teammates, being on a string. Th- those kind of co- defensive concepts are pretty foreign to him. So you talk about him not being a finished product. I think it's in that sense that is probably the biggest way. Just, just really has a long way to go defensively. But you said he bought in right and he was part of the program and part of the the team uh, do you have a sense that his team enjoyed having him around and being a part of the, the squad I, I did for sure um 
especially the young guys. That the Hawks were an interesting team last year. They their whole roster. They probably only had one guy, Todd Blanchfield, who was in his prime. Um, the rest of them were sort of very, very early in their career as pros or guys at the very end, Dave Anderson, Josh Boone, um, these uh-huh. types of guys. Oh, yeah. So, That's an NBA name, Josh Yeah. Boone. Well, Dave Anderson was a Raptor hey. too, briefly. Yeah. Little yeah. Rocket. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so those, you know, those types of guys, AJ Ogilvy, you might remember him from Vanderbilt. Um, so a bunch of guys at the end of their career, a bunch of guys at the start. I think the, the younger guys really got on with him well, spent a lot of time with him off the floor and, um, you know, we're excited to be a part of, you know, a guy that was on his way to being a top NBA draft pick in many ways. And I think the older guys, you know, a lot of those guys are at a point in their career where they're looking to wrap their arms around younger players and kind of give back and, 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 and be a bit of a mentor. So in that respect, I think that it worked out pretty well for him to be on a team like that. It wasn't a bunch of guys in their prime saying, this is the time for me to be putting up massive numbers. Mm. I need the rock. It was, um, it, was a, it was a kind of a more favorable situation for him. And, and I think that was one of the big things that came out of that team. He did buy in. He, um, the coaches loved having him there. He worked hard. He was very coachable. And, um, you know, for, for a teenager dominating the ball and at times, to be honest, stat chasing, um, it was it was pretty impressive that there were, you know, no major kind of issues within that team. Yeah, well, he had uh, two triple doubles, uh, I believe. Um, but from the, what you're describing there, it sounds like, you know, he was down there to work hard and, and to try to be more than just a guy to be like, I, I don't care. I mean, the team didn't do well. They didn't win a lot of games. In fact, I think they finished last and uh, he only won a couple of games himself. But it sounds from what you're saying here, though, that, that, you know, his work ethic is pretty strong, you know, and he understands what he has, his strengths are, but he also understands he's got to work on those weaknesses. So, I mean, you know, from what you know of the NBA, I mean, how quickly do you think he can have an impact? And if you were to draft him, I mean, are you expecting this guy to come out and be a starter in his first season and, and to be, you know, maybe even a point guard for a, for a, I mean, he's expected to go high in the draft. Do you think he's ready for something like that, or is he still, you know, he's still a year or so away from from taking on a role um, that big for an NBA team? I think there's probably kind of two parts to that answer. Um, there's there's what he could do, what what he'd be ready to come out and do on a, on a particular team, and then what would be best for him. Right. I mean, if, if you know, if a if a if a smaller, you know, if a team like Charlotte or or Minnesota, one of those teams picks him up. Could he come out and be their starting point guard and they could start that process? Sure. I mean, he, and I spoke about his confidence before. I mean, he's, his confidence is unshakable. Um, and, you know, ours is, ours is a good league here. I mean, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the top you know, pro leagues in the world. And um, we've got elite talent here. And, and he kind of, it, it didn't shake him at all. I mean, you could pick him up, I think, and put him in one of these playoff games happening today, and he would feel like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Right. It wouldn't shake his confidence one little bit. He'd go out and do his thing, spread, pick, and roll, have some fun. He's going to give up points down the other end. He's going to take some shots that are ill-advised, but he's going to also make a whole bunch of plays. Having said that, if a team like Golden State, for example, keeps that pick 
and takes him, I mean, I think that would be for him and his development, that would be the perfect landing spot. Right. Because, you know, you can imagine a guy like Draymond Green, there's going to be accountability for him at the defensive end. They're going to teach him how to play defense. Draymond Green says, Andrew Boga taught me, taught me how to play defense. Um, I think that, you know, you could have the potential years down the track of saying of LaMelo Ball saying the same kind of thing about Draymond Green. Right. They're not going to stand for him just reaching and getting burnt or ball watching off the ball. Um, and then you could bring him off the bench. He could play a kind of a Sean Livingston's type of role for that team. I think long-term that would be the best thing for his development, but on a, on a, um, you know, and less of a championship aspiring team, he could definitely come out and, and have an impact in year one. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know, obviously as certainly as much as you, I've seen highlights and he looks like he's got the talent, but I think for a young guy, for sure, it would be better for him to be basically just a bench guy for his first season and, and you know, playing behind Steph and, uh, you know, in that Golden State system, you know, it would be tough. He, he wouldn't like it for the first year or two, but in mm. three or four years' time when he's had that experience and his body's filled out a bit and he's seen how those guys work, I think he'd be a better player in the long run rather than being thrown into the fire in a team that's kind of like, you know, let's say he goes to Minnesota. I mean, they got D'Angelo Russell anyway, but the expectations are like, we haven't won, we need to win, you know, whereas the Warriors have got a little bit more time there. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The one thing I want to ask you about as well is, you know, you mentioned there was a ton of scouts out in Australia when he first went there. How long did they stay? You know, what, like, were they there for the entire run or were they just sort of coming in and out every now and again? And, and have any of them or any teams reached out to you and sort of said, hey, you know, tell us what you think about uh, Lamella and what you saw in him? Well, they, they mainly come and went. Um, there was, you know, a couple of teams that had a presence here for the entire season. Um, but most of them um, picked their spots. So I mentioned them coming to Tasmania at the Blitz. They did that because um, in a short space of time, they'd see a couple of games of both Lamella and RJ Hampton. So they're like, okay, that's the right spot to, to come and see. Um, they, you know, they, they've picked some other spots in the schedule where they'd be able to see both Lamella and, and RJ. And then some just came and went and really just wanted to see Lamella. Um, right. You spoke about one of his triple doubles, Lee. He had a 30-point triple double in an overtime win in his second last game with Mitch Kupchak sitting right there in front row courtside. Wow. Um, and, it, you know, that, that kind of jumped off the page to me as well as that was a big moment. The Charlotte were obviously going to have a pretty high pick in the draft and, you know, Mitch Kupchak, you can't miss him. You know who he is. Jermaine Jackson would have let Lamella know he's sitting right there courtside. And he came out and really, that was his best game. He balled out, had an influence on winning and, and played really well. So um, that, that was kind of 
the way the scouts approached it. And, and to be honest, um, I've had a couple of calls, but not as many as I would have thought. I mean, I actually had more last year for Brian Bowen, right. um, who, who was in the next stars program with the paces and was coming into the draft. And, and a couple of years before that with Terrence Ferguson, who's now with OKC and spent a year here on the way. So I think maybe um, the fact that they had a bigger presence here and they, they saw things with their own eyes and um, they watched a lot of, a lot of games uh, live from, from back home probably uh, means they don't need to, to get that extra opinion. Yeah, so I find that interesting. You mentioned uh, Jermaine Jackson was his manager, uh, for, for lack of a better term, a former NBA player. He got around a little bit in the NBA. Uh, it's interesting that he he traveled with him. Obviously, uh, LeVar didn't make his way down there until he had to film his uh, his show, as as you said. Uh, you said it, the preseason tournament in Tasmania was was enormous. Was was had a bunch of people at it. Have you ever seen it that busy? Has it has the the preseason tournament ever been that much of a spectacle? No, I mean it took it to another level. Um, with all those guys in attendance. So, I mean, it was interesting. They, they weren't the big names. They weren't, you know, it weren't a lot of the, the GMs or the assistant GMs. It was more of the kind of the scouts that had been sent down at that point. But that was, it was that game really where he took his, his big leap on draft boards. Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN and Draft Express was in the building watched that game against the Perth Wildcats that I spoke about. And it was, it was after that one where he went from, I'm going to say maybe 30, 32 on, on the ESPN mock draft to two. That 30-point triple-double that game. No, no, no. He's, oh. he's almost oh. triple-double in the preseason. Oh, okay. 19, 13, and seven. Okay. Um, his 30-point triple-double was his second last game. Yeah. And so that was, the, that was when he took a big leap. And, and, and that was when a lot of those scouts went, went back clearly and said, he's legit. We need, to, we need to invest some more time in him. And from there, we started to see more and more of the kind of bigger names come down um, and, and check him out. I mentioned Mitch Kupchak. You, there was a game uh, earlier in the season where it was RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball's first time against each other at the pro level in New Zealand um, and a bunch of people made sure that they were there. Trajan Langdon from the Pelicans, guys like that sitting front row to, to watch them go to work. So it was the preseason tournament in 2016 when Terrence Ferguson came across um, was when it went up another level in terms of the presence of scouts, but, but last year was, was on a whole nother echelon. Yeah, so yeah. do you see this happening more and more and more? You said Ferguson, RJ Hampton, obviously, uh, Ball. Will guys continue to come down to Australia with the, the program that that you talked about off the top there? I think so. It's it's a bit of a moving beast at the moment because the NBA and the G League have adjusted. You know, they've put in that that new program, and and as a result, I think a lot of the guys that have signed on to that that team um, the NBL had their sights on, on bringing them down and kind of continuing the momentum. Um, but, but, you know, Jalen green and um, Kaminga, these types of guys that they were, they were hoping to get them in the mix. But um, so there's been a bit of a, a shift in the landscape with that G league program. And, and now um, the NBL is kind of 
looking at different ways to, you know, make sure that they can continue to bring in talent. Um, the program opened itself up last year to also bring in draft and stash guys as part of the mix. So we saw Didi Lizada from the Pelicans here. Um, and yeah, you know, I think there's a chance that, you know, we might see more and more of those guys. Um, and also, um, I think we're going to see some guys that are, have already started playing college, but are going to jump ship and come down here for a year before they, they uh, go into the draft. And, um, you know, with the uncertainty of what the NCAA is going to look like this year and uh, what they've seen with LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, I think we're going to see some more of those guys. But I think right now the G League has, has made that power play to pull those top guys off the board. So how well do you know the other guys who are expected to be the high lottery picks, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Killian Hayes? I don't know if you know those guys too well or their game, but if you were to say right now, where do you think LaMelo is going to get picked? I mean, you said Golden State and they're at, uh, they've got the number two pick, so that would be a good spot for him. But if you were to, if you were to say right now, based on what you saw and what you know about those other guys, where is LaMelo being drafted? I think he's going to go top three. That's probably as, as far as I'll go in terms of locking in. That, that seems to be the consensus, um, you know, with, with uh, Edwards and with Wiseman. I mean, I think he's definitely, for me, he's in that mix. Um, and then it's about, you know, whether who, who wants to take that, that plunge. I mean, he's a, he's a high-risk pick. But with that risk comes potentially great reward, you know, and we've seen these types of guys over previous years, you know, I mean, you think, I mean, Giannis is a perfect example of that, right? I mean, everyone saw him as a, as a high risk pick and a whole bunch of teams didn't want to take that risk. The Bucks did and they've, they've reaped the rewards. Mm. Um, and then we've got, a, you know, there's a whole bunch of other examples of teams taking those high risk guys. That didn't work. Potentially out. really high ceiling, <laughs> but potentially a really low floor and it, it not working out so well. So I, I would be, if, if I had to kind of look in my crystal ball, I could see him going number two, but not to Golden State. Right. That's right. trade down I mean, that, for, yeah. right. Which that wouldn't make- shock me. And, and honestly, if I was, I mean, I, I love all the strengths in, in his game, but if, if I was them, I would, that's what I would do. I mean, there's, you're probably going to have, you know, there's going to be team, maybe the Knicks are this team who love him more than you do <laughs> and want him more than you do and, and are willing to put something on the table that makes that worthwhile. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, even I just watch highlights as Lee did it. I, I don't know why. I didn't think he was 6'7", because uh, he seems like he's a legit 6'7". just didn't seem uh, that tall. But as you said, you, you know, you threw out the names, the big names, uh, the, the, the Magics and, and the J-Kids, uh, because he has that, he really has that physical attribute, right? Did you, was there anything else about him physically that was uh, either, you know, a positive or, or negative? I, I thought he was going to get pushed around a little bit more than he, than he did. Um, you know, he's obviously got a lot of room to grow in terms of his physique and his strength, but he has an ability offensively to kind of use your physicality against you. Um, and 
you know, like if you, he, a lot of the times he looked like he kind of, in, he wanted guys to crawl in. He, he, he wanted Damian Martin to get into his stuff. He would have invited that Pat Beverly type of approach that you, you were talking about earlier, Lee, because yeah. he's, he thinks I'm just, that makes it easier for me to get by you, you know, because his first couple of steps are so quick. So, um, and, and, you know, he was pretty comfortable with contact at the rim, didn't have a you know, massive free throw rate, but, but was not, certainly not afraid to go in there and, and, and attack the rim um, and get downhill. Defensively, though, was a bit more of an issue. I mean, he, he did get moved around a little bit. At 6'7", with that length, he has the physical tools to be a really good defender. And, you know, you think about that Golden State system, how much they switch. I mean, you have a 6'7 point guard who's to slide into that system. That would, that would work pretty well. He has great switchability in that regard, but needs to get a lot stronger to be able to make that work to be able to switch on to threes and fours and fives. And, you know, he wouldn't be able to hold those guys out of the paint right now. So his, his height and his length um, were, you know, really are really helpful for him at the offensive end, but he hasn't learned how to use them defensively just yet. Um, and just to be clear, he played 12 games, as you said. Uh, the preseason tournament ended it with that second last game, that third monster 30 point triple double. And to be clear, he got injured at the end of it. Right. And, that, and that's why his season finished because there also was this really weird story about a horse, about him owning a horse <laughs> named Lamello. but I don't know. It was also tied into him being injured. So he, he finished because he got banged up. Is that right? Well, that horse is about to have its maiden run. <laughs> Excuse me. This weekend. <laughs> You need to put some hard earned on on Lamelo. Um, yeah, so we're all, we're all keen to see how that thing goes. Uh, he had in his eleventh and twelfth games, Tass, he had triple doubles. Yeah. The thirty point triple double against Cairns, and then he went over to New Zealand and and had another triple double in a losing game. Poor field goal percentage, one from eleven from three. They lost, but another triple double. First guy in NBL history. In our forty-minute era, our era, our league used to be forty-eight minutes, and it's had some stretches where it's forty minutes. He's the only guy in our league's history to have back-to-back triple doubles in forty-minute games, and that was it. At that point, he was done. Right. So my understanding is, you know, there was a he had a bit of a bone bruise in the foot, and you know, you can kind of fill in the rest. I mean, he'd put enough on on display for people to recognize what he could do at the pro level is a combination of the fact of, well, it's time to shut it down in that regard. And also my understanding is that the foot issue was legit. And so from there, why risk it? You know, why come out and, 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 you know, potentially re-injure that and have it be a, get any worse. So at that point he shut it down, stayed around for a while. Um, and then, you know, later in the season made his way back to the States. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and unfortunately, I got to follow up on the horse. We've been doing uh, way too much talking about horses on No Dunks, but yeah, he named a horse Lamello, and you're telling me uh, he's he's racing. It's about to run. Okay, wow. It's about so to I, run. I yeah. Depending when we drop this, he's he, he, Lamelo the horse. Lamelo, all caps, has either uh, just run a race or recently run a race. So yeah, tell right. tell us about Lamelo the horse, not the basketball player. Well, we don't have any form to go on. Just <laughs> yet, but I did tap in. I did tap into my my colleague Cam Luke, who's on NBL Overtime with me, who is a uh, a horse racing fiend and very good with the with the form. Great tips. Anyone wants to tap tap into Cam Luke. Um, and I said, well, what's the go? I mean, you know, should we put it? He says, not a strong field. So there's a chance. He said, there's a chance I actually might, I wouldn't finish last in this race um, with, the, with the talent that's going to be on display on the track. So, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Might be worth a fiver. <laughs> Better go each way. It's probably the best though, Liam. Uh, well, uh, this, was, this was great to, to break down LaMilla Ball. Not the horse, the actual, the basketball player. Um, and a big thanks to uh, one of our fans, Aaron Treble, who uh, suggested that we reach out to you uh, to have this conversation. And uh, I just want to get one last question for you uh, because, you know, we're all sort of living in this uh, LaMelo Ball mystery world. We're all sort of, we all have our own opinions of him. How did fans, in your opinion, take to LaMelo Ball in Australia? Did they enjoy his stay there? Loved him, loved him. I mean, obviously the, you know, the hardcore fans were were picking on the weaknesses in his game, right? And everyone everyone wants to analyze what what are his strengths and weaknesses. But the 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 real fan, the genuine fans that fill the arenas. I mean, he he filled the stands everywhere he went. Strangely enough, not at home, not not in Illawarra. Um, they wasn't there. You know, they they didn't come out game in game out. But he. he Sydney and Perth and Brisbane and Melbourne. I mean, they were all sold out games when, whenever he got there. Everyone is, um, you know, he's obviously a high profile kid with a massive social media following and um, a, a lovely kid, to be honest. I mean, when you talk to him, he's, he's not, um, you know, a prima donna. Um, you know, he's, I was, I was talking to someone the, the other day about, and he was saying, um, one of the things he thinks is a positive about Lamelo as a prospect is, you know, there's always that question mark about teenagers coming into the NBA. They can, you know, instant celebrity status. 
massive, you know, they're about to become a millionaire. How are they going to handle that thing? And he said, this kid's been famous so long, he's already sick of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sort of thing is not an issue with him. He's very kind of down to earth in, in your interactions with him. The fans, the fans loved him and they, they, they filled the stands everywhere he went. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll have great memories of, the, of his time here in the league. So it sounds like though you sort of established a bit of a relationship there with him too, you know, just being around him and, and covering him. And so did you become, you know, like, did you get to know him a little bit more than just the basketball player? He took my money, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> he took my money. He came on our show <laughs> right before those uh, Australia-US games at Marvel Stadium that you and I sat together and, and yes. watched in, in, the, in the building. Um, and I was confident that we were going to give them a run for their money. And so I kind of was out there. So I think, you know, like, I think we're going to be competitive. And he and RJ and everyone else on the panel were laughing at me. And I, I, we, I think we had a bet about maybe seven points or 10 points, a bit of a line that we'd get in. We missed it by one point right. in that first game. We obviously won the second game, but the bet was for the first game. I put 20 bucks on the line. Next time I saw him a few weeks later, he chased me down and wanted his <laughs> payday. I said, mate, you're about to become a multi-millionaire. You're already a multi-millionaire. He said, give me my money. Uh, so, you know, he had a bit of a laugh and, um, you know, like those kind of interactions. Is, yeah. And you speak to, speak to his teammates. Um, Dan Greeter, I, I interviewed him recently, one of his younger teammates. He said, mate, he's just, just a great kid. I mean, we, yeah. we hung out. Um, I, was, I obviously knew about the the celebrity and the, 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 the um, reality TV show and all those kind of elements of him. But when he arrived, he said, I got, I saw him on the floor at the training uh, session and I knew he was the real deal. And then hanging out, playing video games, you know, I knew that he was a kind of a down to earth guy that we could get along with. So that, that were all positive things. Uh, hopefully then uh, when he does get drafted just before you can scoop uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and you can uh, maybe get the inside lane as to where he's going I don't know so I mean I think there's a chance there for you to you know get a big get a big story out there isn't there like at the watch bomb get the Santa Bob (laughs) I actually think my um, my man Corey Homicide Williams has that that oh yeah yeah he's got the line in the Jermaine so keep you might want to put him on notification. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll send I'll send him a message and see if we can uh, tee something up. But uh, hey, listen, Liam, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, hearing about Lamelo. Uh, so thanks very much for your time, and uh, look forward to seeing how it all turns out for him. Uh, I mean, you said Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson, so uh, that's where his career is going to be. <laughs> awesome, and guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks very much to Liam for joining us, and thank you to everyone out there listening. See you next time.
as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.